Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. It's time for the Mad Dog Show, coming to you live from the Park Group Studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Plinko, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Biv Distributing, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated. Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. Wow, what a job our producers did with that intro. And once again, that was produced by The Park Group. And once again, we are in The Park Group Studios. And that music that you heard was Widespread Panic live at the Fox from about three weeks ago when I was there with my family. got this shirt. So, welcome champions. I'm a champion. You're a champion. We're all champions. And now we're the defending national champions. And I know that Kirby says that there's no such thing as defending national champions, but that's just coach speak for the players. We, you, me, us, we are champions, and we're going to be the defending national champions for the rest of our lives. And we're going to defend it at work when that loud mouth Alabama fan complains about the injured wide receiver and more on that shortly, and it won't be pretty. We will defend it at the Kroger's when the bag boy who graduated from Auburn starts saying that this is Harson's year and it's going to be his year. It's going to be his last year. And that's not mean. That's just reality. It's no secret that Auburn's highly dysfunctional athletic department is run with rednecks with generational wealth that they inherited by doing noble things like breeding jackasses. And clearly they're experts at it. The results speak for themselves. Hold on, Auburn friends. Hold on, my SEC brethren. I know that's not fair to jackasses because they're God's creatures too. Seriously. Auburn, I will be defending you in this show. I'm not kidding. I'm going to do it later on, so just hang in there with me. We're going to talk about your brutal schedule. So, now back to defending our title. Don't just defend it. Offend it. Be offensive. I'm offensive to some, I've been told, mostly by my wife. And in today's world, nobody can take a joke anymore. Everybody's just too sensitive and too serious. I've been the butt of many a joke. I can take a joke. I dish it out, so I got to take it. But beware, should you try to match wits with me, you're going to open up Pandora's box. Because if you want to match wits with me, I'm going to have to go out and get a full frontal lobotomy just to make it a fair fight. So always remember what Coach Smart says. This year, we are the hunter and not the hunted that doesn't change. It's that way with us every year. And so even though 
for the rest of our lives, we'll be talking about this hunting trip that we just had. The difference between this trip and 1980 is that this dog program is built for sustainability. This is not that. 1980 is not 2022. This is not a one and done. I mean, did you hear about Kirby's contract? Did you hear about that in the offseason? He's going to be around for a while, at least 10 more years of glory. Could we be at the start of a dog dynasty? Did I just say the D word? <laughs> yes, I did. Now, continue to own it. Continue to defend it. And I will gladly continue to offend it to all the others outside of our Bulldog Nation, just like they've been offending us all of these years since 1980. As it is written, let it be so, manifest this year into reality, my brothers and sisters. So, I can't believe it, but here we are for season two. Um, this show went from last year, from a dream to a dare, to a hobby, to a real podcast in the span of a couple of weeks. And it ain't because of me. It's first of all, because of our very generous sponsors who help us make this happen. And it's also because of you. It's because of you guys who are just rabid dog fans who cannot get enough. And you're sick and tired of network TV giving you their sanitized version of college football with their manufactured self-serving storylines. You wanted someone, anyone, and in this case, me, to call BS when a bull takes a dump. And I promise you that I will continue to unapologet unapologetically do just that. So with that, here we go. Get the picture. Here's the agenda. First, we're going to hear from Vance Levy at Bulldog Illustrated. Next, I will rant again for a while. Third, and in the featured segment, we're going to have legendary UGA and NFL and RBU legend, Tim Worley join us. Next, I'm going to break down the AP Top 10. And in the fifth slot, we're going to want all of you trash talkers on Facebook, and I cannot wait for this, to give us your worst nicknames for Ohio State. Next is a new segment that we're very excited about. It's the Mad Dog Show Injury Report, sponsored by Ortho Georgia, featuring Dr. Ryan Snetzer, who played offensive line at the University of Georgia. After that, at lucky number seven, we have the guy, Neil, coming in to download all his duck data from his brain into ours. Followed by Bird Hodges from the Dog Bone. He's going to weigh in with his thoughts on anything and everything. And then Bert's going to segue into Buffalo, the rabid dog known only by his street name. Last is another new segment that I'm excited about. It's not finalized. We're still working it out with the agent of this guy, with our attorney. It's a colonel you're going to recognize because he's going to have some finger-licking gambling tidbits for you. And, you know, those of you who might like to place a friendly wager. And now to kick off the going back to Cali season is Mr. Vance Levy. Is he there? I hope he is. I see him. I see ya. There he is. Up. There he is. I see him. Yep. You How had me look. There he is. Up. There he is. I see him. Yep. Can you I hear me? There he is. Up. There he is. I see him. Yep. It's on a loop. You had me look. All right. How are you? 
Hello. All right. Are hey, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Can you know, you first episode, first episode of the new season. You know, we're getting back in the swing of things. But first, let me say congratulations on the 20th season of Bulldog Illustrated. That is a massive accomplishment. I know you've got to be proud, man. Oh man, I appreciate it. It's uh, been a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of photos of fans. Uh, so and you know, good times. Uh, we we got to give credit to Coach Rick. Uh, you know, that was a. I guess we started in his I don't know second year after we won the title. I mean, sorry, we won the SEC against Arkansas. We started Bulldog Illustrated that next year, and uh, you know it. We, we had a lot of good years. Uh, I think only one losing record in his 15 years, which for what I was doing, what we were doing at Bulldog Illustrated, that certainly helped. Oh, yeah. And, and actually, I, I want to interrupt real quick. I want everybody listening right now to grab your phone and search Bulldog Illustrated because it is an amazing weekly publication that you, you may not have access to. It, it's a must for rabid dogs. Open up Bulldog Illustrated, B-U-L-L-L. D-A-W-G Illustrated and bookmark it because I am lucky enough that I live in a fine city where we are able to have the actual real deal. And let me tell you something, this thing, it's like my weekly Bible for what's going on in, you know, the bulldog world. And I mean, you've got world-class journalists, you got Jeff Dantzler. I mean, you've got this week, you're bringing on Mr. College football, Tony Barnhart, Barnhart. You got, you know, Lauren Smith. I mean, good grief. That guy's a legend. And so uh, I just I cannot recommend it enough. And I'm very excited to have you uh, officially on board as a sponsor this year, man. So it's good. Absolutely, man. I, I, I'm, and I, I, if memory serves me correct, I was on your first show last year and things ended up pretty well for us. Yeah, I, I like how that worked out, man. Uh, for sure. We need to keep that up and uh, have you on as much as you can possibly do it. I know Tuesdays are kind of rough for you because you've just gone through the grinder of cranking out another issue. Yeah. I mean, but they're better than Monday, but, uh, <laughs> Sunday's a long, Sunday's a long day for us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, 20 years, you know, it's th this first issue of the season is always kind of, you're getting everybody back in sync. You're breaking in new interns and they're like, Oh, I got to do this every week. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, and the funny thing is, is you know, because of it, and you know, my newspaper background, daily newspaper. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you you, you put it out, and and the next day you're starting on the next one. Uh, there's not enough. There's not very much time to sit around and uh, uh, sort of look at your work. And and I, you know, that's kind of pretty comparable to kind of where Kirby Smart is coming from. Lauren had a good column about you know, his 48 hours after, uh, after winning the title. And I think Nick Saban's the same. They're all the same. Uh, they're on, they're on to the next, the next gig. And I'm sure, or for, without a doubt, they are ready to hit somebody other than themselves. Uh, camp went well, uh, lots of excitement, uh, you know, a pretty new, new look team for us. Yeah, absolutely. And now you know, a lot of new guys and new numbers and guys switching numbers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a race, you know, without a finish line for, for uh, the dogs, for you and your business. So, you know, as you look at the ducks,
What concerns you about this game? Well, I mean, you know, they got the all-world, you know, that one Sewell, I believe, Noah Sewell, is that correct? I mean, so they've got Mm -hmm. a good D-line. You know, from some people I've talked to, you know, their their secondary might be kind of their Achilles. So, uh, you know, I I expect us to try to exploit that, uh, you know, as we – everyone's talked about – the matchup problems with our tight end uh, in the, in the cut line that I wrote of the photo of Bowers, I called it surreal, the surreal <laughs> tight end group. Cause it, it, I mean, when you look at them, I, the first day of practice and, you know, the media got its typical 12 minutes or so, but <laughs> I on purpose, on purpose just hung out next to the tight end group. Just, just, just to see them. I mean, it, it's unbelievable how they're all so athletic they, they, and they offer so much different things in some cases, but it's going to be fun to see what Munkin does with them for sure. Oh gosh. I mean, and, and does with all of those weapons. I mean, I, I can't remember an offense that was as loaded as the one we've got now at tight ends. I mean, our running backs, I, f- I feel like the O line is going to be super strong. And, you know, he, he, it seems like he, I've heard him talk about being thin at receiver, but I mean, what we do have is very high quality. Yeah. And I really liked hearing that Kyrus was back at full action in the last few practices. I mean, you know, he's, Last year, he, he sort of was banged up the whole year. I, I look right. for him to, you know, be be rock solid. Uh, you know, AD Mitchell. I mean, there, like you said, there there's a ton of weapons uh, at receiver. But like you and I were talking about that, my biggest concern is the running back position. Uh, uh, the injury to Andrew Paul. Uh, you know, he had a good scrimmage that first one before the injury. Uh, and you know, some one of our guys asked him about it. Uh, the two running backs both had pretty good days in that first scrimmage. And uh, he, Kirby was like, You know, the, the, most running backs don't come in that this big, so uh, you know, th- that was a loss. And you know, we just got to cross our fingers that Milton can put together a, you know, a, a good string of games without having you know problems with injury. Uh, it again, running back is a little bit of a concern. I, I I'm excited, Kenny. I've always liked the way he runs the football, and it sounds yeah. like he's just gotten better out of the backfield catching the ball. So I mean it. But can they do the little things that Cook and Zamir were so good at last year? And you know, you know the right block there or the right you know pickup. Those are the ones where Stetson was able to get out of a jam and turn it into a big gainer, you know. And uh, as we were talking earlier today, you know, the, the biggest concern with Oregon is, you know, Georgia beating themselves with some costly turnovers early. And then you've got, the, right. you know, you've got them in the game, you know, early and feeling momentum. And, you know, typically most teams, begin to press and, you know, it can, it can go from one little thing to a whole lot of things. So, but, you know, I feel confident in our leaders and, you know, of course, Kirby's proven that he he's able to keep those guys pretty darn focused. 
Yes, he has. I, I do want to ask you, what did you think the first time you got your eyes on Branson Robinson? Yeah, he's just like a bowling ball, man. I mean, it's going to be fun to see him move people around when he powers in there. You were talking earlier today about do we have a guy that can get us four yards? He can definitely do it. Dejon can do it. Uh, it the talent is really, in my opinion, I feel like we – we might have more big runs, you know, most of Cook's stuff was out of the, uh, you know, out of the backfield throw into him, which, you know, again, Monken has shown that he's going to get the, the guys in the right position. And until somebody's, you know, stone cold shuts him down. I mean, he, the man has had great X's his nose from day one. I mean, it, it, it's been impressive. Yeah, he really knows how to play to the strengths of who's on the field. Um, there's no doubt about that. You know, how he had to adjust last year between JT and Stetson, who are two completely different quarterbacks. And it was like it was it was seamless. You know, when you would think you'd take a step back to kind of, you know, work back up to that, but you just really didn't have to. It was like we didn't miss a beat. No, no. And then, you know, of course everybody's gonna get a look at the, you know, what's you know, a lot brand new i'm not gonna say brand new but the defense is going to be so changed with you know filling all those spots but you know you're anchored by chris smith that's been back there at the secondary a ton nolan smith i mean the the leadership is there uh and jalen oh i I mean yeah don't forget him i mean keely's back i mean it's it i think we're pretty set on defense too yeah and i think those guys are gonna you know they kind of and i'll get to a little of this later they don't like the fact that everybody's doubting them you know like like they're not going to be a georgia defense out there because of all the guys that left and i just i don't think there's going to be much drop off no i mean i I got a report today from the from the letterman scrimmage and, and they were very impressed with the defense uh very impressed. So they yeah. let the Letterman only come in and watch a scrimmage. Yeah, I mean that that second one, the first one's generally a uh, the McGill Society donor mm-hmm. type thing. I mean the families are always you know there, and then the the, the second one is that they they have a big Letterman golf thing out at the country club and a big dinner, and then of course the scrimmage is basically for for the Letterman. Is that how that works? Right. Yeah. So if you had to give me a score, if I had to pin you down on a score, what is it? <laughs> you know, I'll say 38 to 24. So no cover. Yeah. I don't know where Oregon's going to get to 24, but, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think, it, I think Oregon's going to give Georgia a really good game. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a heavy heart playing for their, their teammate that had the unfortunate death this summer. Uh, and, yeah. you know, as we discussed today too, Cristobal left Lanning in mighty fine shape. I mean, yeah, the cupboard was not bare. Yeah, you know, Aaron Feld, you know, former assistant strength coach, was out there for, you know, I think three, if not four 
definitely three years, and then he went mm-hmm. with Cristobal. And then you can be assured Dan Lanning hired, you know, a very similar type strength and conditioning. So, I mean, Oregon has been building up physically. Uh, and, you know, now they get Lanning's expertise on defense. So they're, they're going to be, you know, I think year in, they'll be right there uh, competing to win the Pac-12. I mean, they should. All right, last question, then I got to go. What worries you about Bo Nix? That he's been pretty darn productive against Georgia both times, you know, that every time we've played him. Is it two or three? I can't even, you know. It's three, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and can can he – limit himself from those bonehead plays that have kind of defined who he is. Because uh, if he doesn't make those, then then he's dangerous. I mean, just he makes so much happen. And, you know, the, the corners and whatnot can only hold those guys for so long when he's back there with a pretty darn good rifle arm to get the ball to people. You know, that 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 scares me. Is, is Can Bo Nix finally kind of limit, you know, the – the real, real disaster plays that have defined him. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that he's extremely elusive and tough to get on the ground. And you know, it, it's he'll make ten great plays, but then that one play that he botches, it's a real bad one. So hopefully, we're going to see more of that. So now, did were you at the final uh, show at the at the Fox? Uh, no. No, I was uh I was Thursday with the family. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Two hour second set was pretty epic. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. And and I would like to give a shout out to Cal and Catherine Halliburton for uh setting us up with some awesome seats for my whole family. It was uh it was really cool. Yeah. The uh the kids went from making fun of me uh when they were young for listening to them and and now they're like, Okay, Dad, now we get it. <laughs> and I can report that I have not been to the Fox forever. The, the walls do still breathe. <laughs> that place, man, it's like it's brand new. I mean, and they've got that marquee room that's like three stories, you know, rooftop bar. I mean, it's amazing. It is. It is. It's a great place to see a show. No doubt. All right. Well, Vance, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to seeing you Saturday. And uh, yeah. uh, once again. I'm, I look forward to seeing what you do during a football game. Are you <laughs> what calm? Are you or, or, huh? Are you calm? I'm, or I'm, are you, uh... I'm calmer. I'm calmer than I used to be. Uh, it really depends on where I am. You know, um, yeah. if I'm in the living room, you know, I'm loud. If I'm at a game, it just kind of depends on whom I'm around. I kind of feed off the energy of those around me. There you if go. that makes sense. Well, I'll end with that. I was not a very happy camper the last time I left that place against in the SEC championship. <laughs> yeah, me either. Let a good memory back on that place. I, I reverted back to being a 19-year-old when we lost to Tennessee in the opener. And we threw, what, five – five. we had five turnovers or whatever. And no, old Heath Shuler. Don't bring up I, those bad memories. Yeah, I had a date, and she was from Maryland, and she's like, what in the world is wrong with (laughs) (laughs) y'all? So you were acting like somebody had died. Well, we had. That loss kept us. We we were so good that year. Yeah, well, yeah. 92, I guess that was. Season ruiner.
Yep. Tennessee and Florida. Mm. Yeah. All right. Next time I talk to you, I want to have happy memories. Absolutely, man. Good to see you and good luck with everything. All right. Thanks. We'll talk soon. All right. Go dogs. Go dogs. Vance Levy with Bulldog Illustrated again. Go out and get yourself a copy. If you can't get a hop copy, then go and get one online. So now it's time to ask all your kids under the age of 12 to leave the room because I'm about to rage a PG-13 rant and it's going to go on for a while and I'm going to need some water. So this rant starts with a 71-year-old dwarf an evil elf who dyes his hair. And you know who I'm talking about, I He washes that gray right out of his hair in a weak attempt to look young and virile, which he is not. He is very, very old. He is a grandpa, and he is the best example of a sore loser that you will ever see in your entire life. And here's a couple of his worst excuses. Number one, it was a rebuilding year. Really? Of a rebuilding year, that is like insultingly hilarious. A rebuilding year with a Heisman Trophy quarterback and a rebuilding year with Will Anderson stalking sideline to sideline like an alpha male elephant. So give me a break, Saban. Next, we had too many injuries. We had too many injuries, said the teeny tiny evil elf Saban. Really? Well, that's one way to tell that story. It's not the right way to tell it. It's the inaccurate, erroneous way to tell that story. So here we go. Jamison Williams played part of that game and then he got hurt. But did you know George Pickens actually played six plays less than Jamison Williams? And did you also know that George Pickens was only playing at 75% and he was still smoking your DBs? Speaking of defensive backs, we beat you Saban with a white defensive back. Look, nothing against white guys because I'm white, right? But, I mean, in today's day and age, there's just not many of them. So the evil elf just doesn't have any credibility when he whines about losing. Again, for the record, I love Dirty Dan Jackson. He's great. But there's more and there's a lot more. Did you know, evil elf Saban, about our injury list because it's long. So let me educate you on that too. I, here is a partial list, just a partial list of the players that we had out of the game. Tate Ratledge, Stud Lyman, out for the year. Arian Smith, speedster, deep threat wide receiver, out for the year. Adam Anderson, ineligible. Tyke Smith, All-American DB, out. Tresman Marshall, out. And remember that name this year. Warren Erickson, Warren Erickson offensive lineman, out. Dominic Blaylock, out again. Remember that name also. Kendall Milton, he's going to make sure this year that you can't forget that name. And last but definitely not least was a guy who was out, a missing player who goes by the name of Arik Gilbert. I don't know if you know that name by now, but by the end of the year, you're going to. So pardon me, Saban, if all the world doesn't start crying for you when you, you, you whine about, you know, it was a rebuilding year and you had injuries. Let me remind you that our walk-on QB beat your Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, and we won it all with him. Sidebar, Stetson has a message for all of you who had doubted him during the season. Can you see that? 
it looks like he might have had something in his eye. So that was for all the people who doubted him last year. So let me clarify something else for the record. Stetson is taller than Bryce Young. We all saw it when they were standing side by side after the game. So with all of the TV announcers out there, please quit saying that Stetson Bennett is an undersized quarterback. We have eyes. Our brains interpret what our eyes see. Is he six foot six? No. Is he tall enough? Clearly he is, and he's much taller than Saban, the evil elf. I can still say elf, right? Or dwarf? Can I say Michigan? <laughs> gotcha. All right, one more thing, Saban, you teeny tiny evil elf. And that is those Aflac commercials, they have got to be the cringiest thing that is on TV today. Even Alabama fans can't stand them. They're so cringy that Bama fans turn the channel. And that's a big deal in Alabama because what they have to do is they have to peel their big, fat, hairy, smelly elephant butts off of their pleather easy boys. And then they got to waddle over to their 800 pound 1977 box TV and then use their fat elephant toes to change the channel because they aren't smart enough to operate complex, heavy equipment like a remote control. Now, I hope you guys enjoy that visual as much as I do. So, to be fair, Alabama looks like they're going to have a really, really good team this year. And for that reason, I agree with them being ranked number one. I think that's fair. They're a great team, and they're playing an incredibly difficult schedule. What the polls do is they rank teams based on strength and not on their strength of schedule, too. If Vandy beat Valdosta State 12 times in a row in Nashville, yes, they would be undefeated, and no, they shouldn't be in the top 25. And that scenario leads me to this, the gigantic problem that I have with Ohio State being ranked number two. Yes, they have a good team. But have you looked at their schedule? Because they're a good team that starts the season with five straight home games, five in a row. And on top of that, they play eight out of 12 games at home. Eight out of 12 games at home. I've never even heard of that. I've never, ever, ever heard of a team that had eight out of 12 games at home. It's unheard of. Why isn't anybody else talking about this on somewhere like, I don't know, ESPN? I can't believe that Kirk Herbstreet or Joey Galloway aren't talking about this because they are so fair and impartial, said no one ever. What's that? Where did they go to college? They went to Ohio State. And did I mention that their schedule is weaker than Mississippi State's business program? Their schedule is a pathetic joke. So let's review it, shall we? First game, Notre Dame. And do not defend the Irish in my presence or I will melt your face with facts. I'm going to get back to that in just a moment. Arkansas State is next. Cupcake. Then comes Toledo. Icing on the cupcake. Then comes Wisconsin, and they suck. Followed by Rutgers, Buck two. So all of these five games against sucky teams, they're all at home, and they're all the equivalent of homecoming games. Again, do not defend Notre Dame. I'm going to get to their pathetic program in just a second. Finally, game six, they have an away game. Wow, what a novelty. They play at Michigan State. Now, don't get excited about Michigan State 
because this year's Sparty is not last year's Sparty. They're going to come crashing down to earth. Still love you, Mel Tucker, but this year is not going to be like last year. So, again, the Buckeyes, which is the lamest mascot in the history because their mascot is quite literally a nut. I mean, how terrifying. Should we call ourselves the Georgia Peanuts? I mean, that's stupid because then the freaking Buckeyes go to lowly Iowa. Followed by PSU, which stands for Pedophilia State University. Why do I call them that? Well, don't make me rehash it because you remember Sandusky. He's still rotting in prison, and it's a disgrace that will never go away, and it shouldn't because what happened there was horrific, and it's a horrific piece of history that's something that they're going to have to contend with forever. Sidebar, Herb Street had the audacity to go on TV and call Penn State his sleeper team this year. How cute. How precious. Well, bless your little heart, Kirk. You're wrong. Who agrees with me? Paul Fine agrees with me. He went on a show and said that. Paul Feinbaum, always right. Always. So, what you're trying to do there is you're trying to blatantly prop up a team from yesteryear with the, but it's on the Buckeye schedule and a not-so-veiled attempt to give it strength that it so desperately lacks. Nice try. We have brains. They work. Go sell that crap to a fan base that doesn't know any better. PSU being a sleeper team is a bunch of garbage. Don't agree? Well, again, Paul Feinbaum does. And then their schedule gets worse, if that's even possible. It's like I'm making this up. Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. Finally, their season ends with another brand name from yesteryear, Michigan. And we all saw what a pretender that they were last year. And last year was an anomaly. Michigan won't be that good this year. They will be back to average. So the bottom line is this. Ohio State's schedule is a great, big, stinking, stinking pile of crap. And here's why it matters. It matters a lot. So listen closely. They get to blow out their inferior opponents. And when they blow out their inferior opponents, their starters come out and their starters get to rest. And so they show up injury free at the college football playoffs. And the strategy is actually brilliant. Their starters play half a season against a bunch of losers, literally. So I want to go on record on the college football record that we see through that. Auburn people, listen up. This is where I throw you a bone. And I'm serious and I'm sincere about this. Auburn has the most difficult schedule in college football. It's not even close. So here's where I like to play a little game with schedules. Why don't we switch them around? Why don't we give Auburn Ohio State schedule and we give Ohio State Auburn schedule? Because how'd you like your favorite team to play Auburn schedule? Because it goes like this. LSU, UGA, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, don't sleep on Leach, Texas A&M, and Alabama. I mean, it's absolutely brutal to the point of being ridiculous. So if you switch those schedules and, again, gave Auburn to Ohio State, vice versa, it'd come out something like this. Auburn would go 9-3 and three at worst and probably go to the championship of the conference that I lovingly call the Tiny Ten. On the other hand, Auburn's impossible schedule, now played by Ohio State, finishes 8-4 and four at best, they don't go to a conference championship, and they soak up some sun at the Citrus Bowl. 
that they would maybe be the third best team in the West. Do you see my point now? Auburn may have a bad year. They may, but it's primarily because they have a brutal schedule. Ohio State's going to have a great year because their schedule is full of glorified church youth groups. So, Ohio State, with that schedule and your crappy mascot, you deserve a new mascot, one that is more fitting of who you really are. It's better than a Buckeye because, quite frankly, anything could be worse than having a tree nut as your mascot. It's ludicrous, it's atrocious, and it's embarrassing. So henceforth, you will be the Loogies, the Ohio State Loogies. Why Loogies? Because they're far scarier than a Buckeye, and, of course, they're disgusting. Facebook friends, right now, give me your best new nicknames for Ohio State and be as mean as you want to be. We'll go over them shortly. But Mad Dog, the Ohio State Loogies start their season with the mighty Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. First of all, they are not mighty, and they have not been mighty in a long time. Second, they refuse to join a conference in football, even though they're in the ACC in every other sport. And that is for a very simple reason. It gives them a competitive advantage. Because when you don't play in a conference championship, then that's one less opportunity for you to lose and get knocked out of the college football playoffs. Again, a brilliant strategy, much like the Ohio State Loogies, but everyone sees through it, and most of all, me. So, Notre Dame is a nobody, a has-been, with a nobody schedule full of has-been logos living off their ancient past. <sighs> Notre Dame schedule, you ask. Well, I'm glad you did. Well, after the Loogies beat the brakes off of them, they have Marshall, Cal, UNC, BYU, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, Clemson, finally somebody that's worth a flip, Navy, Boston College, and USC. Are you impressed? Me neither. So I thought it was impossible to have a schedule as bad or worse as the schedule of the Loogies. Somehow they managed to do it. Again, Auburn goes 10 and 2 at least with that schedule. Notre Dame, they would go 5 and 7. So it's it's you know, it's smoke and mirrors with these guys with their schedule. So let's talk about their mascot. The drunken fighting ginger Irishman. I mean, it it's it's racist. Their mascot depicts the Irish as drunken fighting gingers. It's anti-ginger. So I've got a ginger brother. The producer's a ginger. I love gingers, and I don't like gingers being depicted that way. So why is it the mo why is it the woke mob protecting <laughs> protesting that mascot? Why aren't they triggered? I'm I'm triggered by it. I mean, you know, in today's day and age, everybody's triggered by something. But don't you worry one little bit. Don't you fret. You're in a safe space here, and the mad dog is your therapist. And yes, I did just speak of myself in the third person. So we can share our deepest, darkest secrets here in this space, no matter how much they differ from the mainstream sports networks. Oh, I feel better now. I hope you do. Sharing is good. So next up going to have Tim Worley. Tim Worley was trying to join us in a thunderstorm. So we came up with a plan B, which was a phone interview, which he was very gracious and kind to do. It was very cool of him. So thank you very much, Tim Worley. Here it goes. 
So we are ecstatic today to have Tim Worley on the phone with us, who is a UGA legend, an RBU legend, an NFL legend. He's got more stats than I can recite. He was a first rounder in the NFL. Uh, he's a Georgia, Florida Hall of Famer. He is an SEC legend. And so, Tim, what's going on with you now, man? Hey, guys, how you doing, man? Uh, thank you guys for bringing me on board today. Actually, I'm on the road while I'm talking to you guys. I'm, I'm on some back roads right now, so if, we, if you guys lose me, you'll know why. Um, actually, man, what I'm doing today, guys, is absolutely amazing. I am in the ministry. I am an evangelist and a minister of the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, God called me to the gospel a long time ago, but I just now answered the call. <laughs> that's that's Believe it or not. that's that's awesome. So do you do you have a church that you lead or how do you do it? No, sir. I don't I don't have a church. Um, I'm not a pastor. A pa pastor, they run the church, but um I am an evangelist. I travel and I share the gospel of the kingdom all over the country and even out of the country sometimes. And uh, I do a lot of motivational speaking on behalf of young people too. I travel the country and, and uh, motivate kids to make wise choices. You know, high schools all over the north, south, east, and the west. So that's what I do today. Well, that is a very, very interesting that you use the terminology "make wise choices" because I think I say that to my kids every time they leave the house, and they're adults now. So uh, that's the belt. Some yeah. of the that's some of the best advice you could give young kids these days. So if I wanted to, you know, you're traveling all the time. I mean, when's the next time you're speaking in Georgia? scheduled and uh hold on a second guys i'm sorry i got a few things scheduled in uh, colorado florence colorado uh, um got a few things i gotta look at my schedule guys I, i'm not in a place to look at it right now that's but fine. i will be speaking at a maybe a sports banquet sometimes in the near future in, in in georgia maybe the columbus area um i'm all over the place man especially the carolinas so we need you to get you to come down here and talk to the Making Touchdown Club. That sounds like that might be a perfect fit. Man, that would be awesome because I think um, we did a – look at that, man. There's a deer. Good gracious, he's dead. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, that would be great, man, because I can remember the Making Touchdown Club with me and um, uh, Lars Tate and Herschel Walker. We was actually down there for the uh, the 1,000-yard uh, rusher thing that they put together years ago. Right, right. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that was uh, being in making. So, so how would how would we go about trying to uh, hire you to come do an event? Well, here's what you guys can do. I have a Facebook page. Uh, you're on my Facebook, right? Um, all you all you got to do is DM me, man, and uh, just let me know what you guys are looking for. Um, I can give you my number personally. You know, uh, DM it. I'm not going to put it in the public, right? But I can give you my number, and you guys just reach out to me. Let let me know what you're looking for, what time, what date, and uh, we'll make it happen. That sounds awesome. I'm, there's so many people in middle Georgia, just like everywhere else, that could really benefit to hear from a legend like you that, you know, is, is putting those positive messages out there. Um, so, I, yeah, that's very cool, too, that you've already been here before with, with Lars and Herschel, man. I, I guess that was a couple of years ago. You're talking about 2003, maybe? Okay. Long time ago, man. Long time ago. That's when they came out with the portrait. Of the thousand yards rushers at the University of Georgia. Right, right. And uh, it was it was very exciting, man. We had a lot of fun down there. So, what your last year at Georgia was it eighty eight or eighty nine? Eighty eight. Eighty eight. So we just missed each other. I got there in eighty nine. 
Um, okay. but, <laughs> but obviously, you know, I, I grew up watching the dogs and, you know, some of the first games I went uh, were with, with Herschel and then, you know, RBU just took off from there. And, you know, we saw what happened last year. And what are your thoughts on uh, the, the crew we got this year with Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Edwards and, and, and the new beast we have in Branson Robinson? Hey, man, what are we? we we're tailback you, baby. <laughs> we, we stack them up every year. That's what I like about the University of Georgia, man. We, you know, for, for a while there, we had the North Carolina backs like myself coming in and Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall. And, but, you know, I'm, that's one of the things I never worry about when it comes to Georgia football. They're always going to have a couple of uh, solid running backs, man. And um, I think those guys are going to do a great job this year. I think Kendall Milton and um, – What's the other kid's name? I'm sorry, guys. Kenny McIntosh. Uh, Kenny McIntosh. Those guys are going to have breakout years. And the freshman that came in, man, this dude is unbelievable. So I'm excited about that. I'm very excited about my Georgia running backs. Yeah. Hey, don't leave out another North Carolina running back, uh, Zamir White. He's from North Carolina, isn't he? Well, yeah, but he's going on to the Raiders now. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he started, so, out doing, uh, he started out doing – he had a great first preseason game. I hadn't seen anything else. Oh, he's doing good, man. He's uh, right now. He's behind Josh Jacobs. Um, I think he's gonna. He's playing a lot, man. The kid's gonna do great. I'm predicting him to get the rookie of the year. Him or either um, uh, Pickens in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had a chance to meet him about three weeks ago. I was up in Pittsburgh at training camp. Hold on a second. And uh, I'm lost. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, man, Zamir, you know, we were in the same conference. This high school, my high school, we were in the same conference. Scotland County, Robeson County, and Lumberton, we all played each other. So we are, we know all about it, man. It's some tough football down there. Yeah, it is. And you two share something else in common. I think you both had uh, two ACL injuries. Is that correct? Um, I didn't. I, I tore my interior cruise ship. Basically, I ripped up everything on the inside of my knee. Okay. It wasn't my ACL. What happened was it knocked me out completely. You know what I mean? From, and, um, from the pain? It, it actually, yeah, it knocked me out of football for almost a year and a half. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because back then, you know, it was a little different. The surgery is a little bit rougher, and uh, you didn't recover as fast. Right. So um, when you think about it, man, I played, I played, um, I actually played two two years, two four seasons, and four games at Georgia. That's all I played. Yeah, but your senior year was something special. Yes, sir, it was. It was. I was so determined to get back, man, and, uh, be, you know, compete and for that position. Me and Rodney Hampton, Henderson, and, and uh, uh, Alfonso Ellis, man, and uh, um, had a guy named Larry Weir and uh, another running back named uh, Cleveland. And, uh, and we, had a, we had a good group of guys, man. That's a crazy amount of talent that you just named to be on one team. I mean, that's astounding. Yep. You know, you look at Rodney Hampton, he had a great career in the NFL. Henderson, Hampton and Henderson, they both got Super Bowl rings their rookie year. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah, awesome, man. So so tell me what it was like being a Pittsburgh Steeler. Well, most people don't believe this. Uh, it was like a, it was a dream come true to me because the football team ever since I was 10 years old. And – all of a sudden, they uh they draft me, so you know 
it was it was a dream come true, you know. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the two my two favorite teams in the history of the NFL was the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chicago Bears, and I got to play for both of them. Wow. Okay. So so did you have Chuck Knoll as your coach? I had Chuck Knoll and Bill Coward. Wow. And so who was your quarterback when you got there? Bubby Brister and Neil O'Donnell. Okay. And then when you were with the Bears, who was the quarterback and who was the coach? The famous Jim Harbaugh and uh, Shane Matthews, Peter Tom Willis, Eric Kramer, and my coach was um, Dave Weinstead. Wow. I mean, you talk about two serious football cities right there. And the fact that you played for both of your favorite teams, I mean, that just doesn't happen. That's, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I mean, I, I didn't know that about you, that those were your favorite teams. That is extremely cool. Are you going to um, Are you gonna be able to go to any games this year? Of course. I, um, I'm going to be at the Georgia game Saturday in, uh, in Atlanta. I'm okay. – um, um, I'm going to go to the Steelers and the Jets October 2nd, me and my son. We're going to fly out there and go, and I'll probably go to one of the Bears games, too, before it gets too cold in Chicago. Right, right. Well, <laughs> uh, I, that's the coldest place in my life, man. <laughs> that's what I hear, man. I heard it's just brutal up there, especially, yeah. especially for folks from the South. Well, I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna be at the Ducks game. I'm fired up. Uh, I'm. I tell you what, I'm a little bit. I'm more nervous than more, most dog fans because, you know, it's not like Mario Crystal Ball left the cupboard empty. He left it stocked with talent. They had a great strength and conditioning program with the guy he took with him. Lost him. So we lost him. So we are. So I feel like Tim Worley risked his life on that call. Um, he was again in a thunderstorm. He was very gracious to to try and work it out and do that by phone. It was great talking with him. Uh, hope to have him on again soon. Hope to see him at the uh, the Oregon game this weekend. So again, thanks to you, Tim Worley. Um, that was very cool. So now we're going to review the top ten. And Alabama's number one, and they're number one for a reason, and we've already touched on two of those, and that's Bryce Young and Will Anderson. There's two other reasons that they're up there, and that's the two traders from the transfer portal, and that would be Amari Gibbs from Tech and Jermaine Burton from the 2021 defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And I like to say that because it never gets old saying it. The Ohio State Lugies are number two because the Associated Press knows they have some talent coupled with the most favorable schedule in the history of college football. So get ready. Get ready. You're just going to have a non-stop barrage of totally biased love heaped on them by the totally biased two-headed monster at ESPN, which is Joey Galloway and Kirk Herbstreet, who went to the Ohio State Lugies. They will run the table against the homecoming queens that they're going to play, and they're going to show up at the CFP with a two-game season. They will have proven nothing at that point, and they will have everything left to prove. At number three is, of course, us, the University of Georgia Bulldogs, the best college football team on the planet in 2021. So here's why I love them. First of all, our defense is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Some people are saying that they're going to be 10 points worse than last year, and that's that's not going to happen. We're just we're loaded with talent. It's a bunch of players that – 
you don't know their names because they couldn't get on the field as much because they were playing behind first round draft picks. So they're going to maybe, I'm going to say a four point drop off, which would take them from 10 points a game to 14, two measly touchdowns. Um, And the offense that we have is going to be ridiculous. Your dog tongues are going to be wagging. So my hero, your Stetson Bennett is coming back to run it down all of the doubters' throats again. And he has more weapons at his disposable, at his disposal than arguably any time in Georgia history. The O-line returns some beast anchored by Cedric Van Prand, calling the signals at center. Broderick Jones comes back for what could be his final year because he's a redshirt sophomore, and he was a big help in the natty, as we know. Tate Ratledge returns with his monster mullet. And the only question with him is whether his beautiful business in the front party in the back mullet spills so far out of the back of his helmet that it covers not only his name, but his numbers too. I for one hope that it does. From there, does Amarius Mims, does he emerge? You know, is it going to be somebody else? Maybe it's Xavier Truss. We're going to see there are a lot of big dogs I won't name right now, but we're going to see who fights their way out onto the field. Now, The running backs this year at RBU are special. And we start with Kenny McIntosh at RB1. That's followed by Kendall Milton at RB2. We need him healthy. RB3 is Dejon Edwards. Dejon Edwards would be the starting tailback at probably 95% of the other schools in America. Last but not least is true freshman Branson Robinson. Google him. He is going to be special. Wide receivers, you know, we've heard some that were were thin there, and I talked a little bit about that with Vince. And, you know, we might be a little thin, but what we have is extremely talented. We have Kyrus Jackson finally back healthy. Dominic Blaylock finally back healthy. A.D. Mitchell, I don't have to introduce you to him. Marcus Rosamie Jack Saint. Lad McConkey, Meeks, and a freshman I've been hearing a lot about named Dylan Bell. Bolo Dylan Bell this year. Tight ends. I'm not sure about this group. They're kind of untested. Uh, they're kind of undersized. I'm hoping they can really they can get their act together. I was going to leave them out, but I thought that would be kind of mean. So I'm going to give them a little mention here. They probably never heard of Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington or Arik Gilbert. And there's some freshman people are talking about named Oscar Delp. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of lackluster there. We really need Coach Hartley to get his act together with recruiting in the tight end room. It's been frustrating. More on those guys later. So let's finish the AP top 10 at number four. This is important because this is going to round out the fourth team for the CFP. And I'll get to that in a second. It's Clemson. Again, I think it's because they have a schedule full of pansies. They don't play anyone worth a flip. The biggest name on their schedule is Notre Dame. and You already know how I feel about them. So I hope that they do end up being the fourth team to get in because we will beat the brakes off of them. We will feast on them like a hungry junkyard dog on a stray fat cat. They'll go undefeated. They'll win the lackluster ACC, and then they're going to lose in the CFP. So let's recap the season before it starts. Spoiler alert. Teams one through four won't change this season. It's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. That's your CFP. I'm going to run through five through ten right now, even though it's irrelevant. Five is Notre Dame. Of course, that's a media-driven narrative. They suck, and you will find that out Saturday. Next is kind of interesting. At number six is Texas A&M. They're intriguing. 
Jimbo and the evil elf took trash talking to a whole new level this offseason. We're going to find out if money truly can buy happiness. It doesn't, but it might buy a spot in the CFP, except it won't. Newsflash, the Aggies are not going to beat Alabama. But being second in the West is not too shabby, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Utah comes in at seven. Utah is not number seven, and I'll explain that in the gambling segment shortly. At eight, the AP has Michigan. I guess it's because they're their name. I mean, are you kidding me? Is that based off last year? Because this year's team is not like last year's team at all. They graduated all their talent. I mean, Jim Harbaugh tried to leave, and nobody wanted him, so he came back because he knew that the cupboard is bare. They've named, I think, two starting quarterbacks for the first game. Two, uh, Cade McNamara's back. Cade McNamara, he's good, but they don't have the rest of the team. It's just whatever. So, they were there last season. That was the dream team, and we beat the brakes off of them. But they are in the Tiny 10 Conference, so they play a schedule full of losers, and they may hang around, which is as distasteful as their ugly uniforms. Oklahoma is nine, and who knows what they really have at that point. Sure, throw them in there. Why not? They got lots of talent. They graduated. A lot of talent followed Lincoln Riley to USC, who should be in the top 10, by the way. And for the record, USC is my sleeper team this year because Lincoln Riley went and recruited out of the portal like nothing that has ever happened before. I think they brought in, I think they've got half of their roster is new to is new players from either uh, the portal or new uh, freshmen. And it's, they're saying it's like an all-star team. So, you know, he too is in a terrible conference. So it shouldn't be too hard to put a, an all-star team together and dominate because the only team that they're really going to play this year is Oregon, who should be at number 10, but they're not. Guess who's at number 10? The most exciting team in America, Baylor. I mean, who cares about Baylor? Have you ever, ever had a friend who was a Baylor guy who like liked to wear the Baylor jersey around or a Baylor hat or a Baylor t-shirt. Nobody cares about Baylor. Their name is boring and they are boring and I'm not buying it. Oregon should be 10, talented coach, talented team. So I give them honorable mention. So that wraps up the top 10. So now let's go to Facebook and see what Facebook and social media has to say about new nicknames for Ohio State. I'm going with Loogies. Let's see what's out there so far. Um, wow. Peabody Street in Athens is well represented. I've seen Frank Dye, Gary Hobby, and Ross Daniel. <laughs> Shout out to Jerry Forder in Hummerville for Tresman Marshall. And it, it is it is not even – oh, Heath Roberts, you've got a good one. I don't know if I can say that. My mom's watching. Man-to-man, um, -man, I'm giving you runner-up. But the best nickname that may supplant the Ohio State Loogies is uh, the Ohio State Brown Eyes by Ross Daniel. Um, I guess that Ross likes people with brown eyes. He finds them beautiful and attractive. Um, Ross, I'm going to have to get you to come on the show later and explain the genesis of how you came up with the Ohio State Brown Eyes. Um, it's going to be a coin flip. We may have, that may be a season-long game is, is what we come up with. Right now, it's between the Loogies and the Brown Eyes. And right now, we've got to go to a new segment that we're very excited about. It's the Mad Dog Show Injury Report, sponsored by Ortho Georgia, featuring Georgia offensive lineman and orthopedic surgeon Ryan Stetzer. 
Next is a segment that we're very excited about. It's a new one. It's the Mad Dog Injury Report, sponsored by Ortho Georgia, featuring Georgia offensive lineman from the past, Dr. Ryan Snetzer. So welcome, doctor. How you doing? Doing good, man. Thank, uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I think I speak for all uh, dogs out there when I say we hope that this is the shortest segment on the show each week. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we've got some injuries to go over, even though the season hasn't even started yet, that came out from fall camp. So tell us what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, I'd say we've actually had a pretty good fall camp. You know, usually you, there's several pretty significant injuries as we get through fall camp. And this year has been, knock on wood, a relatively quiet year. Um, you know, we've got a couple of guys coming back off an of injury. Tate Ratledge had the, you know, the, the Liz Frank foot injury last year, first game, I think first series, right? Um, yeah. And that's a pretty, pretty significant injury that required surgery. And so he's really coming back from that. I think he's got a turf toe going on with it. He's fighting that coming back in. So, you know, he's probably day to day. Hopefully he can get in a play some uh, soon. Uh, so hold on. Hold, in, before you yeah. go further, it, Explain to the average person like me and everybody else about the Liz Frank, because it's something that we didn't really start hearing till yeah. really in the last couple of years. You know what? It, I know it's the foot, but what exactly is it? So, so basically, a Liz Frank injury is basically a, either a fracture or a, bro, or a broken bone in kind of like the midfoot or a t torn ligament that connects basically the midfoot, the big toe with the rest of the foot, kind of the what they call the, the tarsal bone there. Um, it's a fairly common injury and like, for like high impact trauma, but it's been been a lot more common now we've seen it in sports. I think it was just uh, Chet Holmgren, the number one draft pick for uh, I think Oklahoma City just sustained one a couple of weeks ago. Now he's out for the year for basketball. Um, so they're certainly, you know, becoming more common. I think in the past they just referred to them as foot injuries. Now they're actually describing what they are. Um, okay. But it's a fairly significant injury and it takes a while to heal from. Yeah, I mean, I mean, are you? It seems like they. It takes forever to heal from them. Is it? Is it kind of one of those things where it's a minimum six months? Or yeah, I think it's at least six months on these things. They're they're pretty pretty significant injuries to come back from. The surgery usually is some type of fusion, uh, depending if it was just a ligament that was torn versus if it was an actual you know broken bone. Uh, sometimes it can just be soft tissue and just a ligament, and so and it's hard to tell exactly which one you know he had. Um, but yeah, these, these injuries take a while to come back from, at least six months. And then I think you were maybe about to say this, but does it is a lot of times turf toe is a follow-up injury almost that, that happens no, or is it completely it's really separate? separate I mean, it's, it's right in the same area. You know, it's basically a sprain of where the ligaments in the big toe. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, an inch away from where his injury was. But I think just, you know, unfortunately, maybe that foot was a little weaker, pushing off or whatever, uh, just sustained another injury on top of that. And it's another one that just tends to really linger, and it's something that, from what I understand, you just have to totally rest it. Yeah, the only yeah the only real treatment for the turf toe is you can you know you put them in a hard sole shoe, kind of like a little splint on the toe, and then and then stay off of it. Which you know right now we can't do that. You know they've got to be out there grinding and uh, getting after it every day. Yeah, and that kind of surprised me with Ratledge that it seemed like he he I don't know got over it pretty quick. So maybe he's just what doesn't care anymore after sitting out a year and it's going to just gut it out. Yeah, just ready to go, man. I, I think they're all itching to get the pads on and, uh, and hit somebody else. So I think they're going to exactly. get out there. I'm trying to enable my Well, camera. and you know all about that as being an O-lineman at Georgia. Um, so you, is there anything you'd like to share with us maybe from your time playing there? Does it seem like forever ago? Oh, man. Uh, yes and no, right? You know, uh, you know, I look back now and – you know, there were such such good times with the guys we had there and, and playing and 
you know, every time I step back in the stadium with the, with the crowd, I, you know, I wish I was back out there doing it again. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, you know, it takes a toll on you. It's hard. I mean, it's hard work out there every day, grinding away in the, in the Georgia, uh, in the Georgia heat. It's tough, but I mean, I would, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world, man. Loved every minute of it. Loved the fans. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Well, you are definitely part of a very, very select fraternity. Tell me again, what years were you there? Uh, I was there from uh, 2001 through 2005. So you played for Rick. And who were the quarterbacks while you were there? Uh, so first was uh, David Green. Uh, and then uh, our senior year was uh, DJ Shockley. So you had a good run there with quarterbacks. Yeah, we did. We were, we were lucky. We had, uh, we had some good players, good teams. Uh, you know, a lot of guys went on playing the league. You know, I just, you know, I think Ben Watson was there with me. He just, man, I feel like he just retired, what, like two, maybe three years ago. He played for a long time. Um, but a lot, a lot of good players there. Uh, it was just a good time. I mean, we had, a, we had some good run, had a 13-1 and one there in 2002. Uh, you know, talking to day, I still feel like that team right there could have beat anybody at the end of the year. Yeah, I had, was that the year we ended up going to the Sugar Bowl and playing Hawaii? Yeah, no, we, that's the year we played Florida State in the Sugar Bowl. Anquan Bolden ended up playing quarterback for them, um, beat them okay. pretty good down there. It was kind of yeah. a depleted Florida State team. But that team, I mean, that 2000, that was our first SEC championship. You know, um, you know, I feel like that team had so much talent on it. I mean, we had a, a very strong senior class with John Stinchcomb, uh, JT Wall. Um, I mean, that, that was a – Terrence Edwards, I mean, that was a strong team that, you know, other than a slip up against Florida that year, uh, you know, and they had our number for a while, and it took us a while to get over that. And, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't, we didn't get over it then, but I think that team right there could have played with anybody. So who were some of the running backs you played with? So that year, 2002, was Musa Smith, uh, yep. who obviously, you know, went in the league and played pretty, for a good bit there at, uh, in Baltimore. Uh, and then we had Danny Ware, Thomas Brown, Craig Lumpkin, uh, you know, just uh, uh, Michael Cooper, uh, just, you know, we had a bunch of them. Oh, most of those guys played in the league. And so yeah. if, as you're there, you know, year in, year out, you're seeing all these injuries. Was that something that kind of sparked in your mind? It may be an epiphany that was like, hey, you know, I'd like to maybe someday get into fixing these. Yeah, I certainly say, you know, it certainly helped. Uh, you know, I think I kind of, I mean, I feel like I knew what I wanted to do before I, I started college. I think when I got to Georgia, it was kind of had my mindset. And it made it a little easier to make it through, you know, the prerequisite classes, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it certainly didn't uh, didn't hurt seeing, seeing this and seeing these guys get taken care of. And, you know, I was fortunate enough not to have any, you know, major injuries. You know, I had a, a few surgeries, but nothing, uh, nothing significant, no uh, – Nothing, nothing that really limited my playing time. And your your career path is kind of rare. You don't see many O linemen go from the trenches to the operating room. So uh, hats off to you for being able to pull that off. Well, thank um, you, I appreciate it. So who else are we looking at that's banged up? You know, we got a few other guys banged up. You know, they're talking about uh, uh, you know, Aaron Smith uh, is out with ankle. He just had an ankle surgery uh, again. Um, we got Tyke Smith coming off an ACL injury. You know, I think he's what like seven, eight months now since because he heard it midseason last year. So coming, mm -hmm. you know, he's got a lot of time frame where he could be back any day now. I think you know from a from a structural standpoint, I think he's probably healed up. But I think he's probably got a little bit just you know there's there's a mental step in getting over these, these ACL injuries, right? There's one sure. thing being able to, but there's one thing just knowing and trusting your body 
that you can make that cut when you need to. And I think, you know, maybe that, that could slow him down a little bit. Uh, you know, Kendall Milton coming up with a hamstring injury. It looks like he's, he's still kind of day-to-day, but I think he's still expected to play. I think those are the big ones uh, for this weekend. Uh, hey, so circling back. Pierce Jackson. But. Can I circle back to Arian Smith real quick? How long are we looking at him being out? I think a minimum he again, so he did have to have surgery. So I think you're looking at a minimum of six weeks. Um, and then, you know, it just depends on, you know, how well it's healing up and then start letting him get putting weight on it again and get walking on it again and see how he does. Um, but I think I think at least six weeks, maybe 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 up to two months. So six weeks would take us to October one. So being optimistic, I mean, are you thinking it's November before we even think about seeing him again? Yeah, yeah. So, Seth, four weeks will be October 1, right? So, we're looking at six weeks, middle of October. Um, I think we're looking at – if we see him, you know, early November, I think Florida game at the earliest being the last week of October, I think that's maybe a, a goal that they might have for him or he might have for himself. Um, you know, um, maybe, you know, looking at that, some of those early November games. Well, yeah, uh, and I hate that for him because he just seems like, you know, every time he's about to be back – something happens, um, you know, and he's just so fast. He could take the top off the defense. He's somebody you really need yeah. out there because I, I don't know of anybody else right now, at least, that, that has that kind of speed. Now, there may be a freshman I don't know about or I haven't seen, maybe Dylan Bell. But, um, but you know, we did it without him last year. I just don't want to try and do it without him again. Yeah, it's time for the – you know, young guys got to step up. I mean, that's – you know, that's just kind of the name of the game. People are going to go down. It's, it's who you got behind them. It's who's next, right? Uh, yep. You know, you hate it for him. I mean, but, you know, that's just kind of – this is how it goes. Yep, next man up. That's why we that's recruit right. so deeply. You going to go to the game Saturday? Uh, no, you know, I'm going to do the uh, – I got a duty that lies near us this weekend, taking the family down to the beach. Uh, but I will be up at Sanford taking all the kids up to the game next week. So, uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, well, hopefully I will see you up there. And uh, hopefully when we talk next week – It'll be, hey, David, I don't have a report. There's no injuries. Yeah, let's just talk football, right? No injuries. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ortho Georgia, for sponsoring this segment. Thank you, Dr. Ryan Snetzer, for coming in and educating us. Again, Ryan was a uh, UGAO lineman in the early 2000s and uh, taught us a lot today, man. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Talk soon. So, Dr. Dr. Ryan Snetzer is uh man, he's a great guy. He's uh like I said, I mean, you don't see many O linemen all of a sudden transitioning to be a orthopedic surgeon. That's rare. And um really excited about that segment this year. I think it's gonna be um something that's really gonna educate me and everybody else and, and really give us a better idea of when players are coming back and also uh on the opposing team, you know, who may or may not be in. So thanks you again to Ortho Georgia and to Dr. Ryan Snetzer. And now up next, we have the biggest football sensation in social media. He's a Georgia football guru, and that is the Guy Neal. What's up, Mr. David? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, buddy? Good. So I, I know that you – we said this last year. You find out about stuff – before the street does. I mean, you'll send me a text and then it'll tell me something and I'll be like, that's not true. And then I'll find I'll, I'll finally see it, you know, somewhere in the mainstream news, like a day later. I'm like, yeah, don't ever doubt guy. 
He has his ways. So what sort of uh, what sort of what sort of nuggets do you have for us on this game? Uh, I will say I just saw a recruiting update to where Justice Haynes, the running back from Buford, who committed to Bama, he will be at the game Saturday as a guest of UGA, which I thought was pretty interesting. Might just show his recruitment's not quite over. And I've also just been doing some research for the Oregon game and stuff. I'm looking at some notes on my phone. That's why I'm not quite looking at you. But I heard some practice <laughs> notes. It looks like William Poole was actually taking more reps at corner this fall than he was at star, which is kind of interesting. And so it looks like it's going to be Javon Bullard at star getting the start on Saturday potentially. Yeah, you and told me that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Milledgeville native. So shout out. That's to right. Yes. Shout out um, to Billy. Safeties will still be Dan Jackson and Chris Smith. Uh, we knew that. Inside backers will look at Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Mondin. We'll also see some Tresman. Um, outside linebackers, we know Nolan and Beal with a little bit of Chaz. Maybe some MJ Sherman. And then D-line will be Jalen Carter. Tyron Ingram Dawkins is a name to watch. He's a younger guy. Yep. Yep. Um, Zion Logue, Warren Brinson, Nazir Stackhouse, and then the freshman Michael Williams who they're all comparing to Trayvon Walker. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I can't wait and, to see Michael because I've been reading all the things you have. Everybody says he's like the spitting image of, of Trayvon, and that's the kind of, you know, comparison you want. Yeah. yeah, for real. And then we got corners, Ringo and Lassiter. Kamari Lassiter seems like the next guy up. And if they do do some rotating around, we might see William Poole at corner, maybe some Nyland Green. And then offense is just about what you expect. I'm hearing Truss will get the start at left guard over Devin Willock, which I found interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's very and interesting. We saw, I saw something that said Ryland Godey, who is a tight end. I think he might be a redshirt sophomore or junior. I saw that maybe he will be more of a John Fitzpatrick going in at the end of the mm -hmm. line to block some formations with Darnell. They're trying to get Bowers and Arik out wide. Um, and spread them out as much as possible. But other than that, that's about the roster right there. I know there's still an open competition at punter as well. So what you said without saying it is that Tyke Smith is is out? Um, They said the notes I saw were they're still slowly working Tyke back. I don't think he's 100% yet, but they said if we do go dime package a couple times, then maybe we'll see Tyke in there. I know he's been working at safety and star. He was mm -hmm. star at West Virginia, freshman All-American. But uh, it'll be interesting to see when we can get him out on the field. Yeah, there's no need to rush him. Mm -mm. You know, no, we, we got a plethora of DBs, so I'm not too worried yeah. about that. Right. That's uh, That was interesting what you said about uh, Goad. That's a name that, you know, it's, it's kind of been overlooked by me as well. Yeah, yeah apparently he had to play some in the um, spring when you had Darnell out and Bowers recovering mm -hmm. from his labrum. Apparently he just – he looked good blocking, so maybe we'll see him a little bit. I don't know. So let's circle back to what you said about the open competition at punter. We had yeah. been thinking that the Australian guy was the guy, so what's happened? Uh, so that would be Thorson, uh, the freshman. Yep. He's like a 26-year-old mm -hmm. freshman, I think, right. something like that. Um, yeah. Apparently, from what I heard, I mean, I've met the guy. He seems like a good dude, but uh, I don't think he's looked too well, to be honest with you. So who's the um, other punter? I have no idea. 
It's Noah Jones, which I've never I've never heard of him until recent. Uh, Kirby said that that will be will be like a game time decision, kind of on who gets the punt, the start at punt. Is he a freshman? I think he's a red shirt. I think he's a walk on. I would assume, obviously, but I think he's he's been on the team for a, a year or two. Okay. Yeah. So what um what are you hearing out of the uh, the Ducks camp? Um, so I know that Lanning is not releasing a depth chart. I think he's scared. Um, <laughs> Bo Nix is going to start, and I'm not too worried. Or call him Bo Picks. He doesn't <clears throat> scare me one bit. Uh, he's 0-3 versus the Dogs, and I plan on it being 0-4 on Saturday. Um, former Georgia running back commit out of Tennessee, Jordan James, he flipped to Oregon this past year. And so maybe uh, we'll see him some. He obviously is a pansy, scared of competition. Um, so we went out to, went out to Oregon. So hopefully we'll get to see him hit up on him some, uh, and it's Justin Flo and Noah Sewell are the stars, those inside linebackers. Yeah. Uh, Flo was hurt all last year and missed spring. So that's something, but, uh, him and Sewell are both studs. So if we can contain them, I think we can. What are you, what do you know about their D line? Um, I haven't heard much about the, I haven't heard much about the D line, honestly. Um, what I'm hearing the hype about is their O-line. Um, right. I watched yeah. some player and Kirby interviews from yesterday's practice, and they're all talking about how experienced their O-line is. I think they returned maybe all five starters on the O-line. Um, so I'm hearing that's their that's their thing, is their O-line this year. That's their strong suit, as well as inside backers. So, you know, we know about the O-line, we know about the quarterback, and we know that Travis Dye transferred from Oregon to USC to be with Lincoln Riley. Who's who? Do they have a stud running back? I am. I'm not even sure on who their running back is, to be honest with you. Because um, if if they can't run the ball against us, they're done. Yeah. No. You. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um. I know there's a guy. There's a guy that they had last year's last name's Dollars, like the money. Um. Mm-hmm. He might be the starter. I know he played some last year. Um. So I guess it's him, but I, I don't think he's anything spectacular are you hearing that Kendall Milton's back 100 percent uh I think he will be ready to go yeah because those hamstring injuries yeah they can they can nag you for yeah yeah I mean it's like if if he's not 101 percent I'd I'd rather just see what Kenny Mack Dejon Edwards and even Branson Robinson could do yeah, I think they said Kenny Mack's definitely going to be RB1 out there first drive of the game, but you know how we rotate, so starter's not that big of a deal. But I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be really good this year. I mean, that's what everybody is saying. I mean, that's that's the word is that he's just really taking it to another level, been a very vocal leader. You know, he's got Heisman odds, um, you know. So, I, I mean, we know he's got great hands too. I, I personally don't know about his blocking other than I know that Kirby's not going to let him on the field unless he can block. Um, exactly. But, you know, the, the ball that he caught that got tipped 17 times in the natty is, is something that I think, yeah. you know, none of us are ever going to forget. No, yeah, I think he also had that one-hander down the sideline versus maybe Mizzou. So the hands are yeah. there. Yeah, there's no question. The hands are there. I mean, it's like – have there been like uh, – Andre Swift comparisons. 
mm-hmm. because of the hands. I've heard that. I've heard Sony Michelle. I mean, I've heard it all. He's he's versatile, that's for sure. I don't think he's as fast as James Cook, and we can't really quite split split him out wide like Cook was. But I think his hands are just as good as Cook's. So, but but do you think he's our fastest back? Probably I mean, yes. I mean, you're not going to split Dejon and Branson out there. I don't know no. about Milton. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kenny McIntosh is definitely our our fast guy back there. I saw that. Speaking of speed, I did see that Kendall Milton's getting those that GPS stuff they they track all the time during mm-hmm. practice, right. the top speeds and stuff. It, it looks like he is his speeds are back to where they were before the hamstring. Okay. That's good. So it's looking That's like he's good. healthy. Yeah. So are you going to the game? I am. Yes, I'll, I'm leaving for Macon uh, Saturday. Morning. I knew you were. I knew you were. <laughs> um, who are you going up with? Uh, I'm actually going with my uncle and cousins who are from Atlanta. All my cousins go to UGA, so I'm meeting um, my uncle and them up there. Nice, nice. Yeah. Then after that, you going back to to Macon for the rest of the Labor Day, or going back to Millie? Uh, I think I'm going to hit the river with some of my friends Sunday. They get old Mulgy. Um, nice. Hit the Sunday afternoon, I think, and then maybe head back to Milledgeville Monday morning or Sunday evening. Gotcha. Yes. Sir. Sophomore year. Sophomore year treating you all right so far. So far, so good. Just ready for football season, man. Hey, I know Cannot you can wait. give me give me some score updates. What's going on with those games right now? Uh, I know Tennessee obviously is going to beat Ball State, and then Tennessee is going to claim they're going to win the Natty because of how bad they beat Ball State. Um, <laughs> what about Pitt and JT, West Virginia? JT Daniels threw a beautiful back shoulder touchdown pass earlier. Uh, West Virginia's up seven to three with four minutes in the second quarter. Gotcha. I don't think I even realized that Tennessee was playing tonight. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah, only – I mean, if you're playing on a Thursday, your program's probably not worth very much. Um, but, yeah, they're playing Ball State. <laughs> I now, now, guy, I t- uh, Tennessee worries me. They worry me. They played us good last year. If it was in Knoxville, I'd be a lot more worried. True. Very true. Now, I think – Go ahead. What's the score in that game again? Uh, in the Tennessee game, I am not – wait, you talking about last year? No, Tennessee right game now. tonight. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's up 31 zip going into the halftime. Wow. Okay. That game's over. Yeah. Well, but what I will else? say you said you said Tennessee worries you this year. I'm not too I don't know. Tennessee, I'm just not. I don't know why. Um I would say I'm worried about South Carolina, but it's a noon game. If it was at night, that would have me a lot more worried. I don't think Spencer Rattler's all that. Uh, we never really have issues with Kentucky. Uh, they're going to be good, though. But I will say that I think my sleeper pick, like, trap game, might be at Mississippi State. Yeah, I've heard that. I might. I mean, that might sound crazy, but, the, I mean, those cowbells are obnoxious and our inexperienced secondary, I guess you can call them, with Lassiter over there and our – backers and stuff that that air raid could maybe give us some problems but i don't know too much about them is that a night game uh, i don't think it's released yet not released yet yeah i'm with you man that's a it's like going back in time to go out to starkville and play and you know i agree with you about the noise and the cowbells and hopefully those young and experienced guys will have grown up by then but then the other x factors yeah. you just don't know what you don't know what leech is going to throw at you just, exactly yeah they got a good crazy will rogers is, will rogers it, is a good quarterback yeah. Yeah, and so you know their offense is going to be good. Yeah. 
I know. I think a lot of people are sleeping on our defense this year. I know they're young, but I think that they're really going to step it up. And I think, I mean, we'll be back at still a top 10 defense, if not top five, honestly. I'm with you. We just got to get out there and prove it. I think mailman's going to have a phenomenal year. I'm on the hype train. I'm placed my Heisman bet just like you did. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Stetson says bet on yourself. So I'm betting on him at a hundred bucks at a hundred to one odds. Uh, you know, because you know, look at who wins Heisman's it's quarterbacks on good teams with a lot of weapons. So check, check, check. He's got all that. Exactly. And you know, he's got, he's got a feel good factor. Everybody loves an underdog. He's already won a natty. So if he could get out there and run the table, you know, who knows? I agree. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for coming on, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. You got something else? No, I was just going to get my score prediction for Saturday. Okay, yeah, give me that. I'm thinking like what everyone else is saying, like a 34 to 17. Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than people. Either barely not cover or barely cover. I don't think think it's going to be. I think dogs win, don't cover. Like yeah, I'm right there. I'm kind of right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, um, sorry it took so long to get you on. No, you but good. Um, I'll, hopefully I'll see you at the game on Saturday. Hope so. No, I texted Law, maybe try to meet up with him and some of those guys up there, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, you'll probably have a better luck running into Law than I will. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. <laughs> Unless he runs out of money. Then he'll yeah, find exactly. me. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for coming on. That was the guy, Neil, knower of everything in college football. And now we got coming on next from the dog bone, it's Burt Hodges. Oh, with a fan base. I love it. Yes. (laughs) How's it going? Man, it's great. It's great to see you and great to see you in that shirt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a national champion. You know, I have for the last seven months. Yeah, you look like one. Yeah, it feels good. Man, I tell you what, you, you, you don't you, you don't age. You look exactly like you did when we were in college. It's crazy. Look at you, dude. I've aged. You're being nice. <laughs> Trust me, I have. But uh, um, so I, I've got my submission for the new Ohio State nickname. What is it? Is the U? It's the U-Hauls because you know I live in South Carolina. And Ohio people are notorious for packing up and moving down to South Carolina, North Carolina, wherever. So I'm calling them U-Hauls. I like it. I'm I'm sure you guys are just so happy to have them so that they could come down there and impart their northern culture on you, which is something that no one ever said. We've got our own bumper stickers here that just say, go back to Ohio. (laughs) Do you really? Yeah. I mean, you'll see bumper stickers around and say, go back to Ohio. So that's just that they've targeted you. They have targeted you. They have profiled South right. Carolina. <laughs> yeah. And then we've targeted them right back. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I will say you're in the running. You're, I think you're top three with Lugies uh, and Ross Daniel. Hey, Ross is running strong with the brown eyes, I got to say. Yeah, that was, I like, that was I like both of them. Yeah. yeah. Have you gotten any Facebook submissions on that? No, that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was where the, and the other ones the I couldn't mention nickname. on air. 
What's Can that? we talk about the new intro for a second? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you have taken all the greatest things and put them together into one <laughs> phenomenal intro. You know, I mean, the greatest sports play of all time, one of the greatest songs of all time, and then a picture of you and Disco Stew. You know? Oh, Disco Stew <laughs> shout out. Yes. Hey, you know what? That was completely random. I knew he was there. And, and me and Alexis walked out and we were leaving, like walking through the concourse. And I was like, I got to go back in there again. I just go, have to go back there and look at it, soak it up. I walked back in there, turned to my right. And there was disco stew. Bam. It was, yeah, it was meant to be. And, and by the way, the, the credit for that intro goes to the park group and more specifically Scott park, a distinguished UGA alum. He's the one that handles everything. And I mean, I, I, when he, when he showed it to me, I got chills. Kudos. Yeah. It got me fired up too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't watch that play enough, you know? So anytime I get to see the, see the play and then right into chilly water, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. He just yeah. he set the bar high and then he just, you know, leaped over it by about a hundred yards. Right. Right. Well, it's good. So we need to pick out a new, Dr. J for this year. We need a, a new, new um, a new Uncle Julian. Okay, does it have to be a dog? Well, I've picked out a dog, but I I know you've picked out somebody else, right? All right, we're gonna or go with dog? my we're we're gonna go with my former dog, and then you'll go. My my pick as a former dog is ninth year senior Matt Landers, who's on his seventh team in Arkansas. He's 6'5". Sam Pittman is is high on him, very high. I mean, I saw an interview where he's like, the kid's really grown into his body. He's grown into his hands. He's super fast, and we're expecting great things from him, which is kind of what I kept waiting to happen at Georgia but mm -hmm. just never did. And, I mean, look, I, you know, I can't fault him for leaving. I'm pulling for the guy. So he, I am too. Yeah, it just never materialized for yeah. him. It, it seems like he made made a bad play at the worst time when he was at Georgia. You know, like exactly. they just like when it was time for him to make a play, he just couldn't do it. And you wanted to, you're rooting for him, but it just didn't didn't happen. So yeah. maybe it will at Arkansas. And we don't play him, so yeah. no skin off our back. Yeah, yeah, we hope that they beat everybody in the West. That's fine with me. Now, who's your guy? My guy, I mean, you know, it seems kind of obvious, but, I mean, it's Pappy Van Stetson. I mean, the guy <laughs> is going to be – he is going to be 25 years old when we play Florida. You realize yeah. that. He's going to be 25. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, he came in the same recruiting class as Jake Fromm. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Man, we're having we're having uh Brahms coming on Tuesday, so that'll be a great topic to talk with him about. That will be because I mean they were they were in the same quarterback room as freshmen together, and now we're gonna have a 25 year old quarterback. We've never had a 25 year old. I don't think we've had a 24 or a 23 year old quarterback. Well, besides yeah. Stetson, you know, right? Yeah. Well, he came back to win the Heisman and win another national championship, so he had mm -hmm. unfinished business. Uh, yeah, if, but if you would have told me he was 26, I'd have said, okay. <laughs> 30, you know, right. 30. Just keep him yeah. around. One more yeah, year. Why not? 
Yeah. All right. So um, Stuart Mandel, who writes for The Athletic, he does a team, an entire, I guess, offense and defense of the guy who seems like he's been in college forever. And there's a guy for Northern Illinois named Kyle Pugh, who his first college season was 2015. He is an eight-year senior. He's had, wow. he's had three medical red shirts and a COVID year. So he is, um, you know, we thought Dr. J was approaching like Del Webb retirement community status. I mean, this guy, he's, <laughs> he'll be collecting social security right when he leaves Northern Illinois. Do we have a, um, do we know where uh, Dr. J is? I'd like to find him. I'd love to get him on the show. Oh my gosh. I I mean that we got to do it. We got to find him. I think he feels like I'm kind of stalking him because I follow him (laughs) on Instagram and Twitter and I I DM him, you know, to see if he'll come on the show and he never responds. So I I don't know. I think I need to find a better channel than me to get to him because I feel like a stalker and I don't want to, I don't want him to, you know well we'll have to uh we'll have to just use every resource available to to find him um mm-hmm. it can't be too hard it can't be too hard we can do it we can do it yeah i mean yeah it's like greg blue and the dog bone you know we we put greg blue on the dog bone for years and years deke would do a photoshop with greg blue at the eiffel tower playing with van halen and um i mean greg blue is everywhere and uh we ended up running into greg blue in the parking lot of the georgia florida game one time and he told us he loved the dog bone i was like that's awesome so yeah dr j should love this show as much as we talk about it you know i mean maybe you got to put him on the dog bone You know, we did the countdown where, you know, we put a, a new player with the jersey number for each day. We're down to mm-hmm. Richard LeCount coming out with baseball bat today. Um, but what was Dr. J, 92? Yeah, so that would mean that was mm-hmm. way back. So we'll, I'll, I'll make a mental note of that for next year. Well, I mean, you got to start the countdown next year at 99 and just count down. That's what we did. We do it. Deke does it every year. I mean, he's he's on it with a new picture every day. And so wait, you count down from 99? 99 to one to zero. See, I mean, we're you know, we can put Darnell on there. The reason I didn't see that is because I'm always looking at the mobile version. Oh, okay. Yeah. On my phone. I guess yeah. It, the, yeah, I guess the picture doesn't show up on there. No, it's yeah. just straight articles, yeah. And I'm just flipping back and forth between news and blog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do it. And then we're down to two. We'll, we're, we're getting there. Is there going to be a zero? Uh, yeah. I mean, we've got, oddly enough, we have two zeros on the team this year. We have an offensive zero and a defensive zero. I read that today. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember who it was. You know, Darnell's zero on offense, but I can't remember who zero on, on defense is. He better be big. That's a bold move. <laughs> Hogging a number. Darnell's yeah. probably like, "Look, dude, zero's mine." Yeah. You know. You know. <laughs> you 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 better bring your A game if you're wearing zero. 
for real, that's a lot to live up to. I'm expecting I mean, big things out of him this year, though. Yeah, I mean, you better be a baller if you got zero. Yeah. Now, yeah. did did you say you wanted to talk to uh, the legend that is Buffalo? Yeah, you know, we were we were texting back and forth today about um, <laughs> some peewee football, some mascot versus peewee football, and I don't know if you've seen this footage. But it is, it is the most incredible football footage that I think I've ever seen. And it is Matt. And I think that, and I wanted to ask Buffalo about this if he thinks Blooper started this. You know, Blooper, the mascot for, um, yes. for Atlanta. There hey, he Rob. is. Hello. Good to see hey, you. Hey, so do you think Blooper started this whole mascot? football versus peewee football thing. And well, I don't know. He, he, Blooper's exploits were last week. We're at halftime of the uh, Atlanta-Jacksonville game last weekend. So, I don't know, man. I think I think Blooper took a cue from the Colts uh, mascot and, and decided to run roughshod this weekend over the, the poor peewee football players uh, this past weekend. David, have you seen it? Have you seen no, Blooper's? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so Blooper was playing, and um, it, it looks like what they're like ten to twelve year old peewee football. Yeah, I'd say I'd say they're they're all about a hundred and three pounds. <laughs> and uh, Blooper's going all out. Like, I mean, he wants to score on this play bad. And uh, he's got these little peewee players chasing after him. He's stiff arming, throwing kids to the ground. I mean, just running as hard as he can into the end zone. And so we saw that, but then there was a whole team of mascots. And it looked like one of them was like a little Debbie snack cake. One was like a St. Bernard. <laughs> it looked like the Oklahoma State Cowboy, you know, the guy who got horse collared yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I just need, it was a whole team. All right, we're looking for the footage now. We're going to see if we can find it. I will. I will. Uh, I will send it if you can't. Our find crack it. producer. Yeah, if they got Twitter, I can send them to the right spot on Twitter. Good stuff. Twitter. We don't do Twitter and making. Come on. We're barely on Facebook. Well, yeah, while, right. while, we're, while we're looking for it. Uh, I would like to uh, say that I'm very happy to be here. Uh, the, the first episode. Of hold the- on, hold on, Rob. Hold on. I think okay. he's found it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I hope they show this. It's so great. <laughs> you can't put it on there. Okay. Well, then pause it because I can hear it. Yeah. All right, Rob. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I'd like to uh, say that I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> we're happy to have well, you back it's been, a, it's been an exhale of, of what six months five six months i don't know how long it's been uh it's been every day wake up and think of uh what happened it's been great and it's so glad that, that we could just start again and strive for, for the same thing i think we got a pretty good chance you never know what can happen i think we had a really good team I mean, I agree with you. I, I love our chances. I love the fact that, you know, as fans, we don't have the weight of the world on our shoulders and we're not just wringing our hands.
fans looking at the road. Look at this stacked roster. If not now, when? And, you know, because we just got completely screwed over by refs in a game, although they tried to screw us over and take away a scoop and score and invent a fumble with Stetson. You know, we had to beat the refs and Bama, which we did. But, you know, it's like, okay. It, I'll, be, I'll be disappointed, but I won't be heartbroken, if that makes sense. I agree. I mean, it's hard to win back to back. I mean, it's we got a long layoff, but the way things are going, I mean, we're kind of reloading. I mean, I think next year we're gonna be really good. I think I think it's just, you know, we just keep firing and we're we're gonna hit pay dirt uh, more times than not uh, in the near future. I'm really happy about that. I mean, I, I tell you what, offensively, I love this team. I mean, I, I just do, you know, because it's just the offensive weapons that we have are – I've never seen that before with, with a team that's just it's so evenly distributed from, you know, running back to tight end to receivers to quarterback. And, you know, we've got studs on the O-line. And I think, you know, whatever ground we may lose defensively points-wise, we're going to pick it back up on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so. uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and coming up this 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 game Saturday, uh, <clears throat> I heard uh, two days ago, uh, as, a, as a good thing for us, is last year Oregon was beaten by Utah by a combined 76-14. They played twice. And Utah ran more three tight end sets than any team uh, in the nation last year. So, what does that mean to me Saturday? That means tight end city. And, yeah. Uh, maybe exploit these guys. Stanford also destroyed them uh, last year, and they used a lot of tight ends as well. And I think I think we match up good offensively with them. Yeah, I mean, Oregon had such a weird season. They had those games, and then they went into Ohio State and, and beat them, and they were missing um, – they're all world defensive guy. It just was weird. Yeah, yeah it was weird. Bert, yeah. Bert, were you about to say You know, oh. well, you think back to last year, how many games we dialed it back by midway through the third quarter on offense because we had a 30, 40 point lead, too. You know, I mean, yeah. there were, there were, after the Clemson game, there were, really weren't any games that we had any stress midway through the third quarter of a game and probably seven or eight of those, we completely dialed back the offense for the second half of the game. Well, that is a so, great point And then one that I have not heard made, but you're exactly right. And not to mention people trying to score trash TDs on our defense. So we had to trot our starters back out on that side of the ball. So, I mean, exactly. I, my biggest worry is, um, is after, after guy Neal came on, I'm worried about our punter. Yes. Yeah, uh, what's I've happening heard, there? Yeah, I've heard I was actually in Athens on Monday night and uh yeah, I heard I heard a little a uh, little nervousness about the punter myself. So out of the details, we we've been we've enjoyed uh hunting success for, for eons as far as I'm concerned. And that, that makes a big difference. Uh hopefully we don't punt much, but over a course of a game, if you're losing ten yards every time you know, that's a lot of yardage they don't have to deal with. But yeah. hopefully, cross your fingers, these guys are game performers, not practice performers, because 
apparently in practice, it hasn't been all that good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounded like we were kind of pinning our hopes on the Australian guy and he hadn't come through so far. So we got to figure sure that out. About the oblong, yeah. The oblong football or the more oblong football. He's not used to yet, but you know, hopefully take him out back a few times and maybe he'll get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we could go with the Lane Kiffin strategy too, which is just go for it all the time. You know, I watched a few games from Ole Miss last year, and it was crazy some of the stuff they went for. Um, they're on 35, 40-yard line, fourth and four. They're going for it. Well, um, yeah, we could do that. That might give me a little bit of a heart attack, but I, I guess I could live that way. But uh, Also, we could go to a keg party like he did and get a punter there. <laughs> <laughs> I think isn't that what he did? Yeah, he went to a frat party and found a, a punter. So we can do that. And also, oh, yeah. Mad Dog, let me ask, let me add that uh, I, I'm really glad to be here tonight. Uh, this is also the renewal of the rivalry behind me, the uh, backyard brawl between Pittsburgh and West Virginia, uh, which actually, as you know, probably was Beano Cook's favorite game. And I, I think Beano has a few words to say about that. Uh, oh. So good to see the backyard brawl back on TV. I remember back in 1978 when I had the great Don Neyland and from West Virginia and Foge Fazio to my apartment in downtown Pittsburgh. We, we broke bread, had a Pramonte Brothers roast beef sandwich with roast beef cheese, tomatoes, and coleslaw, and cracked up potato chips and I tried to 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 soothe the attentions between the two schools because they they stopped playing because the fans were throwing concrete blocks at one another and beating each other with three foot sections of garden hoses and, and it just got all out of control. So it's good to see that uh, the powers that be have the great uh, backyard brawl back on television tonight. <laughs> Reno Cook, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, that was strong. That was real strong. I could tell. I could tell that took it out of you. I did. That it was did. good. It did. I may have to go to bed a little earlier tonight. Uh, you don't see that too was... many Beano Cook impersonations. I think he you... passed away about ten years ago. But I always he loved the old Pittsburgh uh, West Virginia game. And your 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 imitation was so spot on. You know, I hadn't thought about Beano Cook probably well, since he died. And, and a few immediately more years, I have the turkey neck. I don't have it yet. I'm working on it. Right. But I need that jiggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't just a double chin. That was like a double face. You know. <laughs> oh man! Wow. I wasn't expecting that. That was a good curveball. That was a real well, yeah, being, well, I, I wasn't going to do that, but I came down here and was watching the show, and I flipped on the TV behind me, and I, said, I don't oh, know yeah, if it. I, I, I don't know if it tops your Harry Carey. I don't no, know if it tops does. that. Well, Harry probably. will come later in the season when we when he's needed. We can't bust Harry out. We haven't even played a game yet. No, no, I was not suggesting that. I just want to make sure he's you know he's out there. He's in the queue. He's there. He's somewhere. Parts on Have a nice Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, I'm running out of voice unless y'all got something else. 
I think that's it, man. Glad to have you back. David, if we'd only known that you just had to start a show for us to win the national championship. Exactly. I mean, goodness. Could have done this a long time ago. I know yeah. we're we're undefeated in with uh, in our seasons with Natties, so we just gotta keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. started the show in '89 or whatever, '88, 2002, 2005. Think how many championships that is. Exactly. I don't think there were podcasts in '89. I don't even know when they officially started. I know I'm definitely late to that party. I you still haven't seen one. And Yachtlin and the Gym Dogs. <laughs> well, you know we have, might have. Might have to work the gym dogs in in the, in the postseason. <laughs> All right. Well, go, All dogs. Right. go, dogs, All right. guys. Y'all have a go good dogs. one. All right. Dude, thank you. We were going to have a gambling segment, but it has run so long that we are going to cut that. So I'm, I'm sorry to the gambling expert that uh, was going to come on. Um, so you'll just have to look forward to that next week. Uh, but I would like to do a show dedication. And that is to two DGDs who went to heaven much sooner than any of us were ready for. And that is Chuck Allen and Julie Middlebrooks, both from Macon. I'll start with Chuck first, who was affectionately known as Big Al. Chuck had one of the biggest personalities that I have ever run across. And we grow big personalities king size down here in Macon. Uh, he was one of the funniest people I've ever known. And he was one of those friends that when he said things, they were funny because of the way he said them and because of the way he delivered his spontaneous comedy. And Chuck loved live music and the outdoors and the dogs and most of all, his wife and daughter. And they told me he got a real kick out of the show. And we took that as a huge compliment. And, and Chuck and Julie were actually friends, uh, passed away at different times. I've known Julie since she was five years old. She was the maid of honor in our wedding. She attended the University of Georgia with a big pack of dogs who loved her a whole lot, just like we did Chuck. Julie was beautiful, fun. She was hilarious, uh, tenacious, and a DGD, and she loved the outdoors and live music, and she was an animal lover. And, I mean, when she laughed, it was, it was just it was unique. She'd put her, you know, her hands on her hips and just lean her head all the way back till she was looking at the sky. And I'm, I'm going to miss the side of both of them laughing loud and long. So rest easy, Chuck and Julie. You will both be missed by many, including me and my family. So this week, y'all be safe. Have a good weekend. We're going to see you on Tuesday with Jake Fromm. Remember that we're now streaming on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. So peace out.